0: Okay, the 10.30 hour has struck. The 1030 half hour. Okay. Let us pray. <laughs> yes. Blessed Lord has caused all holy scriptures have written for our learning. Grant, we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them. That by patience and comfort of thy holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast. The blessed hope of everlasting life, which has given us to our savior, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm is in essence in, uh in uh by the way the call
1: for this coming sunday bible sunday call bible sunday sunday you know, one of the words for it. yeah bible sunday. so um did you all get
0: the extended reading list for bible study
2: yes.
0: if you didn't get it you're not on the mailing list and you should get it So, if you have that um email just save it then even though i'll send out other emails if you can look down that's where you are and there's the link it's always the same blue jeans link so online people if you got the email i sent if you didn't get the email i sent out about today's bible study with the reading schedule through really past Lent, then you're not on the list you should let rachel know and she'll put you on it if you did get it All you need to do is save that email, and that has the reading schedule for week after week. And also, the the Blue Jeans link for this class is the same one every week. It goes goes, goes (laughs) past past the beginning of Lent. We'll be in the second Peter in the first couple weeks of Lent.
2: But it it says 2 30. Because there's no
0: February thirtieth, so it'd actually be March. Okay. Okay. Is that, did I, I? Okay. So, so yeah. a, it was this? This is a positive development. It shows that people are reading the email. <laughs> um, yeah. we so, um,
2: were just testing. So, uh, so the
0: the the corrected thing is that um, let's take a look at the at the
2: uh <laughs> Miracles have happened. People yes. are reading. Yes, they yeah, they don't. will stand still for
0: two days. So that uh, what I said was February. What I call it?
2: Thirty. Thirty,
0: 30 will be March second. Okay. So there's an error on I think the very last. the very last one?
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: It was asked Wednesday. It's like the fifteenth of February.
1: No, the 22nd of February is Ash Wednesday. So that's two weeks of
2: that.
0: Well, I know is it's March 2nd. My birthday, it's always in Lent. Well, you, you proclaim a feast day. It's <laughs> early feast day. <laughs> yeah, <I can't laughs> early <know>. day. <laughs> My kids are all. The, the, early, the early scheme was Jeff Wells, who I don't think he does. He used to try to trade a Sunday.
2: <laughs>
0: so, Anyway, so we're going to work our way through James. I will let you know that next Thursday I won't be here, but Father Hayden will be here to lead the study of James too I will be in Colorado for the weekend to visit up our mission community and to parents some kids out there. So uh, but we're carrying on. Father Hayden will be here. He's great. He's better than I am. So uh there we are. It's complimentary. That's right. We have different different ways of going at things and uh, work well together. Um so we had done some of James 1 last week, and I couldn't remember how much of it because there's so much in it, and we skipped week. We just finished James 1. Do you remember exactly where we left off? <laughs> we
1: didn't get far.
0: We didn't get far. There's a lot in there. Um, so I, I thought we'd rather than he try talks and-
1: talked a lot about James himself. He yes. spent a lot on the history.
0: So what did we, what did we say about James himself? Who is he? The Brother
2: of our Lord, <laughs> the brother of our Lord
0: uh, most likely the one in the, the the James of the Jameses we discussed that the biblical Jameses are a little like the biblical Marys. there's a number of them and they can <laughs> confuse you um, How many um, apostles are there named James? Two, Carol says, and she's right
1: who how are they how are they described son of who
2: zebedee.
1: james
0: the son of zebedee who's the brother of john. john and then james the son of Alphaeus. Alphaeus. and we discovered that most likely according to tradition this james is neither of those but is james the brother of our lord who was one of the brothers of Jesus, who who, who was um, converted to faith later on, as we know, because the early stories about his you know, family life in Nazareth, there wasn't a whole lot of faith in him in the early times. Hard to believe. Well, it, it, it might, um, if, you, if you take the tradition that um, they are, children of Joseph by previous marriage, and therefore older, it might be hard to believe that your sort of younger half brothers, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, you know. <laughs> you have to warm to that idea. I mean, if he was the oldest, at least you'd have that standing that, 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 but however it is, it, it may always be troubling or difficult to believe that some sibling of yours is the Son of God and the Savior of the world, so the early lack of faith may have been.
2: Plus, if he was like way older, and Joseph and Mary
1: went to Egypt and then came back, however many years later, with just introduced
0: back to his dad. He was in Rome. Yeah. So we anyway. So anyway. So that that's the James that most likely is. And what did he? What position did he hold that we see in Acts in the early church?
1: bishop of jerusalem
0: yeah bishop of jerusalem so in in um acts in the first ecumenical council in acts 15 where they gathered together to decide the question of whether the um gentiles needed to be circumcised it's a council where paul comes and gives uh testimony about his ministry in asia minor modern turkey among the gentiles what god has done in in spite of the fact that they're not circumcised and so they decide at a council that the gentiles don't need to be circumcised and at that council james seems to be the 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 biggest voice the, the, the the principal voice the other thing we said about james is that we take to james he was martyred i read the story of his martyrdom last time pushed off the pinnacle of the temple and clubbed to death because he refused to renounce faith in jesus uh to discourage other people um and that uh the the at least one tradition said he was a nazirite which means he never drank wine or strong drink and never cut his hair uh and that would be like the Nazarite vow that uh, Samson, for example, in the Old Testament. So let's let's survey a little bit of what we covered and kind of jump in. He he, he began by talking about uh, you know counted joy when you fall into trials, and this is going to be a theme that kind of governs. Um, a lot of the first chapter is idea of testing, because even we get down to, say, verse 15, it talks about tempted, what causes us to be tempted. Uh, it's all about this
1: idea of trial. So,
0: how is it that we can count it all joy if we fall into trial? And, and, and incidentally, when's the last time you did that? You came to your prayer at the, at the day and you said, Thank you, God. "God, I'm really struggling. you know, praise the Lord for <laughs> it, the the biblical abiblical cross reference would be acts I want to say chapter three or four where peter and John were arrested and beaten, which was not just like a little slap in the face. And release, and it act says that they um, they left the presence of the council that had sentenced and beat them and released them, um, rejoicing that they had been counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. So when was the last time? Raise your hand <laughs> that if that's the thing you've done, you know, in the last couple weeks just said, Hey, you know, this is great.
1: <laughs> it, it usually, um, for us is a, a grudging after the fact
0: phenomenon, if we look back, we understand that God has worked in our lives and that the things that we've gone through have, have created strength. If we, Got a little bit more maturity. We would recognize that uh, in the midst of it, that God is present in doing something like um, and and so and counting it all joy might not be like having this. Hey, it's great because even Jesus in the wilderness or in the Garden of Gethsemane, though he. He knew the purpose of the trial, and that they were necessary, was not like smiling. So it's not that, um, and I think so. The joy here, this is something maybe culturally we we miss, is that joy um, isn't, is is rooted more in um, a confident sense of the presence of God with me in it. And the purposefulness of the thing, even though it hurts a lot, um, we might analogize it to um, to maybe exercise. Like if you work out ever, and you're in the midst of a very strenuous workout, you're not like smiling, as but but you know that if you get through this at the end of the workout. A benefit will have been received and, and that's why you're doing it and you're aware you're of the purpose of it and so you you're happy to be doing it even though it's you know it, it, it's not fun at the moment so that's what we could aim for is a greater awareness that god is with us in this that if jesus is lord he's lord of everything including the thing we're now in and so the, our purpose and is to find out what his purpose is in and how we're supposed to understand this um, and that's the wisdom we talked about last time we asked wisdom to understand okay, what are you doing here and that's okay to have that kind of not knowing I guess the that would be contrasted to some degree with um kind of faith that always sees prayer merely as a way to get God to take pain away. Mm.
1: So we pray, oh, oh, you're
0: you're hurting, okay, Lord, take the pain away. Uh, And then you say, oh, yeah, now I didn't hurt as much, oh, praise God. Now, I don't even want to, I, I, I said that in a pejorative, negative kind of way, and we all engage in that kind of prayer. So I don't mean it to be um, that negative. I, I just mean that um,
1: that uh, that simplistic kind
0: of prayer, if that's the only horizon of our prayer, becomes kind of childish in its. Eventual orientation. We're always praying, Lord, just take this away, and um, and we're always assessing God's presence or power by why He did or not, or if He did or not, or if I got the thing I prayed for. And then our our faith is: do we believe strongly enough that God will do this, and will we positive thinking Him into doing it? Um, versus perspective that trusts in the goodness of God, you know, asks for God's good in situations, but is willing to understand that sometimes, um, well, maybe just to look at a little perspective here. Um, I hope this doesn't sound overly negative, but we're all going to die someday. So some prayer for health is not going
1: to be answered. Um,
0: Life has pain in it, and we're gonna have pain. So if we assess God's presence simply by the idea that he will simply remove the pain of life, we've developed a really unrealistic sense of God, and really an a realistic sense of the world. Because the other thing about that is it comes into this idea that, um, ironically, that the God who gave us the book of Job and his son died on the cross. Somehow, nonetheless, means to save us from all that, which is contrary to everything the New Testament says. And it therefore it it he also, also can huh?
2: ultimately does save us.
0: Well, he, he does save us. He saves, us, he saves us through all of that for our, our real
1: true life is still saved.
0: Right, but. um as it says in hebrews it was god's pleasure to make the author of our salvation perfect or complete through suffering and so the other thing that happens i think is especially a western tendency is uh to be bubbled off from the real pain that is ubiquitously present in the world around us and so we live in Suburbia where things can be nice and sheltered and we're and, and even there's a there's a way in which Our world is presented to us this way Because it's the way that the economic machine kind of keeps us on the treadmill is there's, there's all these good things and occasionally something bad happens and then we conquer it over coming on we go It's why the news doesn't spend a lot of time in Countries where there's you know poverty is just always there. It does spend a lot of time in the inner city, which if not don't ever get better. They always kind of stay in the space of things. It does spend a lot of time in hospitals where the other side of human life is constantly there. So in
1: some degree, our
0: our bubble perspective is. Um, hinders us from understanding that life is painful. And part of the, actually even part of the illusion of the industrial revolution and modern science and medicine is gonna take all this us. Your sickness will be cured by the science, your pain will be dulled by the medicine, your discomfort will be solved by heating or air conditioning, your whatever you want will be solved by the food will get you. So you'll never have any of these things And um, ultimately, ultimately, even if you're able to do substantially all of that for your life, you still don't. There's still the human condition. There's still other kinds of pain, which would be loneliness, alienation, isolation. It's why one of the the paradoxes of, of great wealth is that it isolates people and brings them a whole different kind of pain. Because you had to, yeah, you can build a big house. Well, guess what? And you have a, a gate, no one can come in. Well, yeah. So now your neighbor really is sort of your, your, the country next to you that you might have foreign relationships with, but you don't really interact with. And you don't really know if anything is going on in their house. And the illusion is, this is the bad part of, that can come up in church sometimes is, since, since we're supposed to think, you know, how, how are things going? The only really appropriate answer is, oh, they are good. Did you say, oh, they're not good? Oh well, we have to anxiously figure out how to fix the problem so everything can be this sort of assumed goodness. And that's an illusion. Complete illusion. So which is a counter argument when you fall into various trials, it might be to say count it when you understand that the the pain of life is part of a, of our spiritual formation progress and we don't act as though it's a strange intrusion God has imposed upon us on our privileged life of freedom from pain and discomfort. If that makes any sense? But, should, yes.
1: I'm so glad that James <laughs> said this because, you know, like you're saying, so often we're we're in our lives and we're we have a, this thing that happens, and we're like, you know, how are we going to get rid of it? And and this reminds us. Oh, wait a second. I need to back up because. What is god doing in my life i may have
2: this pain
1: or... um i did, i'm so grateful for that because once in a while i'll, I'll just go, oh yeah <laughs> this is a trial
0: yeah and so and so so i guess let we'll move on to the passage but i wonder like it's so on prayer it's not wrong to pray that the sick will be healed we're praying for london praying for john Padilla going for a removal of the next tuesday um but we want to ask a, a full prayer, ask a secondary question. Yeah. How is God at work in the situation? The people's lives around it. How are we, and how are we being furthered in this life? And that work of God's going to continue um, when we get answers and we don't get answers. God's always present it. And that's what we stress. Just always make sure our prayer for things has a secondary question of, when I don't get this, what's going on? Okay, God's in this, he taught me something. And I think if you look back, I look back, that all the really important things God has given to me over the last 25 years, well, I'd say 36 years here, not all of them, that's too strong. There's a lot of just outright good things that happened, But a lot of spiritual growth has been engaged in by... Periods of, of great trial and disappointment, and facing it, working through it, getting the other side of it, create has created some additional resilience and strength, and a greater ability to experience God's presence, greater resilience to things around us. So that's kind of what he says about the testing produces patience, so we're not so easily knocked off by by all the things of the world. Just so, one
1: more thing, Bishop. I I really like what Henry Nowen says that it, it connects us also to the suffering of Christ. So we're not just suffering, you know. We're, we're it's it's the greater um, human suffering together with Christ as
0: Christians. and well, that that might tie back into what Cheryl kind of highlighted is that God saved us not by saving us from these things, but by becoming one of us and sharing in all these things so that um not to save us from suffering but to make our suffering a part of his and therefore make it a pathway to resurrection like his so that as his faithful endurance through these things led to easter so our faithful endurance through these things will lead to our participation in easter that makes us part of his story. It connects our story to his story. I think that's excellent. That's, that's, I guess, what Cheryl was talking about. He does ultimately save us from it, but he saves us through it. From it, through it. <laughs> because there is. we are told that it, at the ultimate, there is no more death, no more crying, no more sorrow, no more pain. And that's where we're going, but we're not there yet. I think we had a
2: song yesterday in morning prayer. It was, as you, God, save us, and you
1: save our countenance, and save us in
2: the end or something like that. It's like save our countenance or ultimately the saves.
0: And, and and maybe the one maybe the one thing uh, uh to, to highlight about that therefore is that the main thing that we have in prayer in Christ in our pain is him with us
1: in never alone in it, and it's always connected to his. So, it's filled with that hope.
2: But also, one of the things that you were
1: saying, well, takes away that. I was just reading
2: yesterday that God made our bodies, because my son can't regulate his temperature, made our bodies so that when we get hot, it sweats or whatever, and it regulates us back. And then well, that we have air
0: conditioning, you we know, have to sweat.
2: I know, well, that's true. And <laughs> also,
1: you know, God makes it so our bodies eat overnight and stuff like that. Like, there is,
0: there, is things, there are things built in us where peace is like that pain so, um, <laughs> so, 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 so <laughs> trial and uh, brings patience we can ask for wisdom to see what we're going through and then he says in verse uh, and we ought to ask in faith not being you know double minded is not um wavering in the idea that jesus is Lord and is with us in this holding yes. on to him that's the that what's that we six. i'm in i'm in uh i'm summarizing kind of one through eight okay. and yeah the, the the double-minded man and don't and don't um, double minded man as verse eight um, and i think the main thing to stress when we're going to trials is is that we're not so much just asking jesus for an answer we're also holding on to him in the middle of it, living in him and experiencing what he's doing in us through it and then it says in verse nine let the lowly brother glory in station but the rich in his humility flower of the field he will pass away for no sooner is the sun risen with the burning heat than it withers the grass its flower falls And his beautiful appearance perishes, so the rich man will fade away in his pursuits. Now, what he means here about the lowly brother, glory and exaltation, richness, humiliation, is that the the relative, the, 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 um, the lowly brother, that is the poor man, his main temptation will be despair, be beaten down by life because it's hard. And so when he experiences grace from god he can glory in the god who who provides some solace in the midst of the woe but the person who's rich who's always got things going well should glory in the in the reminders that this is temporary so if you're humble in something you do and you have all you need it's like oh that's good mine. because james is saying it's all going to go away don't forget that and that's why money not being evil in and of itself, but always a temptation to hold on to it and trust it. So that's that's why those two things and, and so we can we can ask ourselves, you know, what we need do we need? And so if, we, if we're struggling with too much attachment to things, sometimes a setback
1: and let go. Verse twelve.
0: Blessed is a man who endures temptation. When he has been approved, he'll receive the crown of life as Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, endures here means we're, we're having a, series, a, a season of trial presented. It could be a number of things. Temptation here might be, I, I don't think he's mainly thinking about an allurement to sin in the sense of like, but it could be like someone tempted to to be unfaithful or someone tempted to steal or embezzled or someone tempted to covetousness, that's all part of the trial. It's also the the simply the the pain of life and discouraging results in life that overwhelm us and tempt us to give up our faith. Say the hell with this. So enduring is enduring in our faith and prayer and this is where I think the liturgical sense of prayer really helps. That what does that mean? Well, we continue to come to the altar with the community. We continue in our daily prayers. Continue to and 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 liturgy helps us in dry times because when we're feeling dry, we don't have a lot of energy to oh Lord, you know, have all kinds of exuberant prayer. We can just hold on to to the written prayers, and as we endure through and hold on to Christ through that and faithfully just try to focus on trusting God, doing what we're called to do in our state, and, and waiting for him to come to buy belief. And this uh, receive the crown of life, I think this obviously is an ultimate statement of the resurrection, but I also think there are interim in our lives seasons where we struggle and come to a place where there's a relief of it, where we experience
1: some kind of solace.
0: Well, so, so I guess the question would be that, that Carol, if you didn't hear online, she said, you know, I, I talked about saying how hell it, and she said, where would you go instead? It's kind of like, um, you know, what you're saying is characterized by Peter at the end of John 6, where all all Jesus talks about being the bread of life, you have to eat his flesh and drink his blood, and no know what he's talking about, mm-hmm. and of the, of the 5,000 he fed, they all went away, most of them went away. And, and Peter, uh, Jesus looked at Peter and said, you want to go? You, where would I go? <laughs> Left all and lost. I don't have any work. So I think that the more we move on in faith, the more we get that. That, but that's a, a function of growth. That the temptation is to give up your faith, because you wouldn't necessarily go anywhere. You just, you just say you. You become despairing. You become. Um, you'd just flee into painkillers or. Or whatever, outward anger, inward whatever it is, you would do that would just reject faith, which is which is refuse to accept God's way of dealing with you in your life, because that's the primary complaint about God. I've realized is we don't like the way He's running the world all these starving people all these wars all these things how how can you believe in a god who well we do believe in a god who has a world created a world these things happen in it and so we participate in it and that's hard so the temptation is to become part of that crowd Ah, you know and 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 just flee for for something because that, that that's the temptation it's faith itself that you're holding on to in trial. And that's always the demonic temptation. Give up your faith. The devil isn't just interested in your garden variety sin. He's interested in that mainly so that when you bite, then he can become the accuser and move you into despair and abandonment faith. Which is why when we fall into some kind of sin. We need to migrate quickly to confession, restoration, and reconnection, so that we don't fall into despair. That's the accusing voice that uh, plagues people. And it's, it's really a spiritual, psychological phenomenon that uh, often is born of uh, do something that disappoints us about ourselves. That can come into self-loathing. I'm so bad. And then that's the opening door. Of the spiritual voice said, "Yeah, how could you do that?" And that's where spiritual temptation overwhelms us into despair. And that's why the, the "I'm so bad" uh, uh, and, and the idea that I'm unforgivable is a statement of, of the sin of pride. On the other end, because it rejects God's verdict. Which is that Jesus died for all sin, and what you really are is a child of God who stumbling. Now, get over yourself. Get up. Make a good confession, and learn and do better. But um, you know that's that's pride. On, a pride on this end is I'm so great. I don't need God. Pride on this end is I'm. So great, God. My sin is singularly. Um, bad. Um, So verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it is full
1: grown, brings forth death. Two
0: comments on this, this clearly harkens back to the Garden of Eden scene, Genesis chapter three. Um, Now, so God cannot be tempted, but God has, it seems, ordained a certain character in the drama to be the tempter. And so, God is not tempting Adam and Eve, but he's, but, but he's, he didn't disallow the serpent from slithering into the garden scene. He doesn't take away the voice. So, this is quintessentially the human drama of testing, that God has given us his word,
1: a thing to do or not do, don't do this.
0: And there we are. Now, God's not, you say, well, why does God, well, it's, it's, it's really not rocket science. Don't, don't eat it. God said, don't eat it. He made me. Without him, I'm not even alive. I'm not gonna eat it.
1: God say not to eat it.
0: That's the, and, and this, here we see, right from baptism, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Here's the devil, he opens up the conversation, the committee. That's why whenever you have the post um, to, like in the Episcopal church, they'd have a, a committee to study sexuality, which begins with, did God really say?
1: And then what happens is,
0: we're drawn by our own desire. Well, then, so the question is open, okay, now, I have a desire. A tree looks good. Looks good. And and here's the world. The world is the tree. The offer of the attractive forbidden thing. The flesh is my draw to it.
1: World,
0: tree, flesh, me, the devil, me. And now... Contrast that with our Lord in the wilderness, his temptation, because he's clearly recapitulating that scene also Israel in the wilderness with the same dynamics going on. And he sees, you know, he's hungry, there's stone, he's God, he can do anything he wants, be bread. And the voice of the devil. The difference between um, Jesus and us in our fallen state is that Jesus is the Word of God, and He knows that God does not want Him to use um, to pervert the power of God to make cheap food. But He's supposed to endure through this through this this uh, period of hunger and not not give in to some cheap way out that incidentally, the primary dynamic of the temptation to turn stone into bread is that that's not natural. And Jesus by and large does not do miracles that aren't natural. He turns bread into more bread, that's natural. Wheat becomes more wheat. But stone is stone, it never becomes bread. And the demonic nature is unnatural. And the demonic is always against nature in that way. So he's tempting the Son of God to use his power to go against nature. And and Jesus, no, God said this, it's written, man won't live by bread alone, but what God says. So Jesus has no fallen flesh that tempts him. So the temptation, the world is there, the devil is there, but in Jesus, there's just no. So when we are given the Holy Spirit, that's why we're supposed to be strengthened in the Word of God. So we look at the world, the devil says, we like, no. That's why living in the life of prayer and strengthening ourselves in that relationship with God, so we don't get drawn away, especially in those conversations. Like, did God say? Oh, He said this. Oh, yeah. And then we start in that little side conversation. That's so why we come back to our prayer in the middle of that and just get back to the scriptures like, Yes, pretty clear no
1: and those are the poles of our life are the
0: fallen self genesis 3 redeemed self matthew 4 jesus the wilderness we're growing into that so our uh our testing in the wilderness of this life which you hold on to god's word and fortify the flesh that is put to death,
1: those desires, which simply means you say no. Oh, I liked uh, what Dallas Willard said about fasting and the appetites, is they're like spoiled children. That's why fasting
0: trains us to say no. If we learn to say no to things we've resolved not to do in little ways, we develop the ability to do it in bigger ways.
1: Um,
0: verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes is, is from above. and comes down to the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He doesn't change. Which means he doesn't tell you not to do something and then change his mind and say, oh, that's okay. So his word is certain, we know it's that way. Also, his faithfulness is certain. He doesn't say, I will never leave you and then take off. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth.
1: We might be a kind of first fruits of this creature.
0: To them, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness, and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. I read that all together because what he's, James is, he says, every good gift comes down from above. So we think about ourselves as the contrast of the old man, Adam, in the garden, and the new man, Christ, in the wilderness, and our desire. We are born into that condition of the old Adam. Through baptism and faith, we receive the gift from above of the Spirit. We're born again by the Word of God, the Spirit of God. God speaks in Christ. And then he gives us his spirit, and we become new creatures. He calls it first fruits. That is, this is the harvest to God. That then, um, that also first fruits means there's going to be there's going to be more. And so um, then, what he says in 19 is, so therefore, because we're born again with the word and spirit that come from above, we should be um, swift to hear. So in, in terms of the way we function as humans, in our human nature, there is a kind of uh, what we call reactive emotionality that's instinctive. It's like when, when we're, you know, we're kind of heightened in our anxiety and someone says something and we react angrily. What are you talking about? I didn't do that. We're triggered by our lower nature. The gifts of God, God's word and God's spirit, cultivated through the life of prayer. That is, these are things we have to live in. Cultivated is the ability to it's not that we're not provoked, but to see the provocation. Say no saying. Don't respond. Be swift to hear. Let's listen. Let's and let's um, begin to behave, develop the ability to behave responsively from the foundation of the gift of the Spirit and the Word of God when we think about things rather than reactively in the moment based on how we feel. And that's spiritual growth is this migration from reactive visceral anxious action into thoughtful prayerful reflective and that's our true self is who we are in christ we act thoughtfully reflectively on the word and principles of god reactively as our is is our own is our old is the old man captive to all the desires around us and so we're swift to hear slow to speak slow to wrath. and a lot of times the way this plays out in a very practical way is when you find yourself in a tension space fight
1: this is why breathing and praying
0: is helpful our breathing just say the name of jesus but resolve not to say or do anything of significance why you find yourself in that reactive space? In get out, of the situation go take a walk, you center yourself in who you are, and then when you and then decide whether you want to say anything at all. A lot of times I just I just determine. I, well, it goes like this for me. Like, gonna you know, say something? Okay, now <laughs> if, if I have the grace not to say or do anything, guess it's space, You know, I'll pray a little bit, and then well, I'm gonna write an email about that. Give it another day. Nah, two more days. That's how, that's how it plays out for me. And sometimes I've had this, sometimes there's the visceral momentary temptation. Sometimes the secondary, less visceral, but still visceral temptation to write the email. And it's not as bad as by just, but I still had an email full of rea- a little bit of reactivity.
2: Oh,
0: gosh, another day. Father David used to say, you know, if you're, if you're angry, you know, take a day, and then when you get up the day, take another day, and then if you're still angry, like, take another day. But you're not
2: angry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now this is this is acclimating to a, a way of functioning that is rooted in prayer. And it takes we and this is how spiritual growth happens. By nature, we react, act out of this role. the the spirit and the word of God develop in us. It's not magic, it's a planted seed. We've been gotten by this, but only by by, by the disciplines of worship, the disciplines of daily prayer, the hearing the word of God, and then practicing saying no to to, to, to the and saying yes to the will and word of God. We grow into into people who become the first fruits of God's creatures, that we reflect the glory of God in the midst of a world that's going a different direction. So we, uh, we lay a set aside the filthiness and wickedness. And we talk about this like, I mean, you know, we may not be like mired in filthiness and wickedness, but in a visceral state, we're capable of some things. And it looks different from each of us. We're capable of resentment and whatever it is we're capable of, that's we're laying aside. You again, uh, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. We're always coming back to the word of God to receive it. And he goes on from there in verse 22 to say, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves.
1: And so, um,
0: This would be here, I think, not just thinking about the resisting of temptation, but in a certain sense, the positive injunctions of the gospel to love, which he will get
1: to. Um, So, for receiving the word of
0: God, we're we're told we should love one another as as Christ has loved us. Um, Perhaps the best way to really combat temptation uh, after staying in our prayer is, as we enter into the world, being active in love. That, what do I mean by that? So we enter a situation. Okay, what's it look like to love you? Positively do the good, instead of just being sort of passive people running through life trying to not sin. Instead, um, if we're, if we can actively try to do the good in every situation, i mean, like, I've silly things like this for me, cause I'm impatient. Um, so like any line grocery store, you come up, you're going to get out of there. And three people in line. And then, you know, that guy at the front, you know, Hey, I wasn't with this cost price check. <laughs> <laughs> and and then you're you know you getting all the patient then you uh, and you realize, okay these are all human beings from so I called to love and if if i i find it if i go in i have to i have my soul i have to go okay be aware Is that kind of impatience come on me like that it's sometimes it's <clears> all <throat> i can do kind of breathe and pray and just let it go maybe even pray hey lord and maybe instead of like getting angry at the teller, realizing this isn't fun for him or her either, and then if I can come and and maybe offer a kind word Good. after three people have told her that the price was mismarked, that this is bad,
2: yeah.
0: So, but this is what you so Being doers, I think, has to do. Um, with an active engagement with living out what God says to do. In Ephesians, where he talks about putting on the whole armor of God, um, there's one part of the armor that says, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, which means you're walking in it, so that if we're actively loving, we don't tend to fall into sin. If we're passively just trying not to be overcome we might hold on but it's harder so that's why he says be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves for if any is a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror he observes himself goes away and
1: immediately forgets what kind of man he was
0: so i think this is to some degree what james is illustrating here is a common experience because forgetfulness is maybe at the root of temptation how so well when we're in full remembrance of who we are we're children of god um so let's say we come to the eucharist and we receive the body and blood and the grace of forgiveness is there this is who i am of course i'm gonna go out and do all the good works but a day later in the line of the supermarket that's forgetfulness that's i'm going i forget i'm a child of god i become A viscerally impatient citizen of the world (laughs) and everyone's in my way and like in traffic don't they know I'm late because no one else has anywhere to go it's just me but that that's and and um, so that's forgetfulness and that's why the the maintaining of a prayerfulness it doesn't make our besetting temptations go away what we can develop in the spiritual life is an awareness of them, because this is what how the, I think the spiritual life develops, is um, we remember who we are in our prayer, we go into the world, and in our very immature states, small triggering things send us right back to and we come back and we whistle that, and we fast and we do it. But as we move along, what, what we, the first step of growth is awareness. Uh, I see I'm getting impatient, and if there's
1: an awareness of impatience, that's the first step,
0: because I'm not just immediately becoming the the reaction.
2: Does
0: that make sense? and then as, and then I think this is why the, the sharing of our prayer with us, where we can breathe and pray and in the awareness, okay, I see anger, I see this. And then weathering the storm of it so we don't we remember who we are and in, in a certain sense as a model of the spiritual life i would say that um you one way to conceive of this is that there's something that the spiritual tradition calls our true or authentic self who we are at the core of our being this is um we are because of the baptismal gift of the spirit where we have been declared to be children of God and so we have something at the core of our being that is us these emotional impulses tend to be both provocations from the world but also tend to be parts of us that have emotional memories of things so why um, so, so for example um, if, if there are situations in life where um, I was always made to be somewhere I didn't want to be, a line will trigger that part. Of it. And that's a part of me, but that's not, that's an emotional thing. That's the part of me, but it's not me. It's an emotional memory. And so, strengthening our true self in the prayer is holding on to that true self so we can be aware of the emotion or the thought and not overwhelmed by it. But when our, our sense of self or identity is is um, you know when we're a weakened state or when it's not very well developed, the emotion overwhelms us and we become the emotion. Instead of seeing that I'm impatient, I've just become embodied in patience. See when people, you know, I've, I've, perhaps you've seen like you've actually done it, like I have, but you can see it around when somebody becomes completely overwhelmed by emotionality. There's no self in it. they've lost their self. And prayer is really about holding on to ourself. The more we hold on to our true self in Christ, the more we can be aware of other parts, emotional memories. We can see. And process and there's other work we can do with that in terms of how we when we get out of the tension spaces understand, well God, what was that impatience about? And it might recall a memory that we have maybe when really we work through or whatever, but that's how that works. So forgetfulness. Remembering who we are in our prayer going into the world, being drawn away from that self into it by world, flesh, and devil, and developing it a hold on to ourself to see the thoughts and emotions, but not act out of them. But he looks into the perfect law of liberty
1: and continues it. And it not a forgetful
0: hearer, but a doer of the work. This will be blessed in what he does. And the spiritual life is um, a process of growth always involves a process of crawling, walking, falling, walking more, falling, walking, and so um, becoming not a forgetful here is a process of growth. We will all at times be forgetful hearers. And so we don't want to turn this into moralism. Like I once, I I I, I fell a temptation. I'm horrible long the But we want to to realize that that wasn't who I am. We come back to remember and strengthen who I really am, and we grow stronger in relationship to it. So that over time, we're less forgetful and more recollected and remembering who we are. Then we're blessed in what we do because as we do what God says we do, blessing accrues to that. We fall into temptation, no blessing accrues to that. What accrues to that is feelings of guilt, feelings of inadequacy, feelings of self-loathing, and not happy with ourselves, and that's why that must be remedied by confession, confession and ongoing repentance, for Advent, season of the preparation. These are essential parts of the Christian life. Um, that keep
1: us connected. That can restore us to grace. Verse
0: 26. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. We'll talk more about that because later on in James, he has, um, now he has a, an ongoing comment about the tongue the unbridled nature of the tongue. We can bridle a horse and train and tame it, but we can't. The tongue just, it's so tempting. And, and it, it is why I think that um, this is a, we have to practice this, that, that um, bridling the tongue, just learning to be in tension situations and not needing to say anything.
1: Take practice. Times I do better than other times,
0: but it feels good when you do. When you, you know, when you, you know, start reading the voices. I have a voice now. that comes, kind of Don't say anything. I think it's like I have a really good thing to say. I read the Riot Act here. I got the. I got the explanation. But learning to bridle your tongue and. <laughs> The bridling the tongue is for, you know, that's sort of the catty, the gossipy, the visceral reaction. And then when we speak, thoughtfully, if we have something wise to say, we can bring
1: it down. Pure religion,
0: undefiable for God and the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Is why our, our practices, they should involve some regular care and concern for those who are in need. Um, orphans and widows in the first century, widows especially were vulnerable, uh, because, um, there wasn't a lot of means of, it wasn't, it's not like now where women can have jobs. Often the widows, sometimes the widows have more money in church than than anyone else because they've got 401 days or they've, uh, but still, even then, there's loneliness. It's not all monetary. But I think what, but in the first century, it would have been that that's why the church from the very beginning took care of the widows. They, and, and St. Paul in 1st Timothy has this extended discussion about, okay, here's who gets to be on the list. If they have any family, if they have family, let them take care of If no one, okay, they can be on the list. And then there's an the order of widows who will then do pray and do works of charity for the church, and the church will then care for them, make sure they're housed fed. Uh, because Well, the, the, the thing was this, was that um, since it was a kind of order that if, and the idea was that the church is going to provide for you, you have to kind of marry yourself to the church and to the state of being, of, of being an older widow who's going to be in this. So if you're a younger widow and got on the list and partook of this, then you want to get married, just last it. Because you that it was really a covenant relation between you and the church. The church can take care of you and you're going to do this. So if a younger widow wanted to get married, St. So Paul says, Okay, I don't want younger widows to do this. You go get married and and have some children and because you'll want to do that. He's not belittling marriage. He's just saying this is this order of widows with life. Uh, a, a sort of order of, of 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 monastics who would serve the church and be cared for, and if one did that and got married, they would have broken their vow.
2: That's a, that's a, that's so, as a question yeah. about the
0: definition of religion, we synonymous with faith. I, well, I think I think here he would talk about religion being your your actually practice of the faith because James. For James, there's no abstract faith. If you believe, you will worship God. You'll be together with the, the believers in church. You will love the widow and the stranger. You will, you know, don't, we'll get into, well, Father Hayden gets uh, this next week, the chapter two, faith and works. But James is extremely Jewish. There's no separation of spirit from body. What the word says to do, you do in an embodied way. So your religion is the outworking of your faith, the 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 good works you do
1: that show that your faith is real. Why it's always good to be in touch with
0: needs around us, and I would encourage this too on the level of like actual needs of actual people. I'm not by any way criticizing or, or, or discouraging supportive organizations that do good things for people. But I think it's really important for us to be in relational contact with people that that that, that are on on the margins to help remind us, act us with. So he says visit the uh the fatherless or whatever. Don't like think I'll not do that more or more something because we don't have a lot of that around us. There are always ways though, and this is, this is one of the things I think that that as members of the body of Christ, there are way more needs around than we think. And in the, for example, even in a wealthy area like Newport Beach and surrounding areas, there's a ton of loneliness and hurt and pain, and we as Christians ought to be aware of that. And where can we be in touch with? where can we And that kind of keeps us grounded and reminds us that this world is passing away. The illusion of the world is we're going to fix everything. Right? And that's why the, the needs that are around us tend to be ignored, except, except something that something could be surfaced and fixed, because it undermines the narrative of the protectability of the world. But the more you're in touch with the real pain of life, cause
1: like, this, is, this isn't really working. That's a good thing to be reminded of. pure religion is to visit the father, the orphans and widows. On the spot.
0: We'll stop there. next week' we've got Father Hayden for chapter two. I'll be back the following week I June for chapter three. us bread Lord bless us and keep us. The Lord make his face to shine upon us, be gracious unto us. The Lord lift up his countenance upon us and give us peace today and forevermore.